You're listening to the Getting Smart Podcast, where we unpack what is new and innovative in education. I'm your host, Jessica, and today I'm excited to bring you an episode with Northeastern University. For more than 120 years, Boston-based Northeastern University has been known for experiential education. In fact, a third of the 26,000 enrollments are graduate students served by a network of campuses around the country and a thriving online program. Building on this tradition and footprint, the Northeastern Graduate School of Education has been rethinking educator preparation. We recently had the chance to speak with Professor Kelly Kahn, who leads professional development pathways, including a really cool program called NEXT. NEXT is a global platform of educators connecting practice to more innovative workplace-based learning. We'll dive into that more in today's episode. We also got to speak with Professor Sharice Childers-McKee, who leads the new Doctor of Education curriculum, which results in a dissertation in practice at Northeastern University. This program is really for practitioners that want to tackle a real problem. It has a social justice component that encourages budding leaders to become change agents. Let's listen in as Tom speaks with two STEM graduates that later became teacher educators and with the backing of Northeastern University are reinventing preparation. Kelly Kahn, welcome to the Getting Smart Podcast. Well, thank you for inviting me. You grew up in eastern Kansas, I think. Is that right? Yeah, just outside the Kansas City area um, in Johnson County. Where'd your love for science come from? Sure. So um, I originally started out to, to study pharmacy and uh, got in all those organic chemistry classes and just realized I couldn't spend my, my days behind a pharmacy counter. And so I began to walk the halls of the science department at the University of Kansas looking for someone who would take me under their wing. And it happened to be that there was a tenured professor who, who took me in and personally taught me how to do laboratory science techniques and uh, got me involved and interested in all research. And so um, from there, I really decided I wanted to run a lab. I wanted to uh, do research. And um, that's that's where I headed to get my PhD so I could get that done. And uh, so you're, you're now um, in teacher education at Northeastern University. So how did you and when did you make the pivot? Sure. So I, I moved up here to Boston uh, to get my PhD through the School of Medicine at Boston University, and that's where I got my first academic appointment as a research professor. And I ran a Parkinson's Research Laboratory out of the VA Medical Center for about seven years. Um, it was during that time where I was doing research that I started a family, and um, I got my children you know, started at their elementary school. And I spent a lot of time there popping in and out, volunteering, helping out in the science classroom. And I really began to appreciate that I wanted to develop in my girls a love of science and uh, especially being females, I wanted them to feel empowered to pursue pretty much any career that they wanted. And so I was noticing even in the science classrooms at a young age that you know, I, I had something to offer, and it happened to be that at the time, uh, one of the administrators at the at the school that where my daughters went um, was a dean at Northeastern University, and she said, Kelly, why don't you join me to go to South Africa? I have a special project where we're going to go into some of the township schools, and we're going to help to uh, try to to train science educators about how to set up laboratory experiments in the classroom. And so I just thought this was an incredible challenge. And so over the summer, I went with her to South Africa and, uh, you know, did that teacher training. And I, and I fell in love with the concept of helping educators teach STEM, teach science. And so after I returned, I started teaching some classes, found that I really 
enjoyed that and, and made the switch from uh, being a research professor to a teaching professor. And so along the way, being a lifelong learner myself, I, you know, obviously learned as I went. And it's been very empowering to not only support STEM education within the Graduate School of Education, but also by extension experiential learning. And so that's kind of where my passion lies is, uh, you know, empowering STEM educators. We love that Kelly started as a research scientist and then became a practitioner. Let's now hear what brought Sharice into reinventing educator preparation. Sharice Childers McKee, welcome to the Getting Smart Podcast. Thank you. Sounds like you grew up in Charlotte. Yes, I did. I grew up in a small town outside of Charlotte, China Grove. What was your high school experience like? Well, um, high school experience is typical small town experience. Um, it, it was a good experience. I would say that um, China Grove at that time didn't have the diversity that is important for me now. Um, primarily the reason I live in Charlotte now is that we have a, a diverse community of different races, cultures, languages. Um, I didn't really grow up with that experience in China Grove. And so that would be one drawback. But um, a small town, growing up in a small town was great. When did you know that you'd be a teacher? Oh, that's a great question. I, I went to Wake Forest University planning to be a doctor, like many students um, were kind of like, oh, that's the ideal job to have. And um, I got there, I actually graduated from undergrad, still planning to go to medical school. Um, I was I had a Spanish um, major and a health and exercise science major. And so just to kind of collect some volunteer hours until I applied to medical school or PA school, I decided to do um, loan sales at a mortgage company, kind of just a fresh out of college job. Um, got laid off when the company downsized. And my mother was friends with a woman who was on the school board in Warren County, my home county. And they were looking for an English as a second language teacher. And um, I didn't even know what that was at the time, but my mom said, well, you need a job. She's going to help you get a job. You should take it. And that was the beginning of my journey as an educator. And I didn't look back. I realized it was my calling and I've, I've loved it ever since. You did your doctoral work in the in the UNC system. What What was your area of focus? Yes, I was at UNC Greensboro, um, the Educational or Cultural Foundations of Education um, department. So the um, sociological foundations of education, cultural foundations of education, um, kind of in a lot of ways, the sociology of education. So I studied um, race relations in urban schools, uh, did my dissertation at an urban school that was predominantly black and Latino and looked at, uh, it was a very segregated school. Students were, there was a lot of tracking at the school and looked at students, um, kind of relationships, cultural relationships, peer relationships, and thought about how uh, action research, particularly youth participatory action research, bringing students together in a group to kind of raise their critical consciousness and how that could improve race relations um, at the school. So it was a year-long ethnographic project, um, but with elements of action research, which is actually the methodology that we use in Northeastern right now. What drew you to that topic, uh, uh, particularly of race relations? Yeah, that's a great question. I, I worked as an, as an English as a second language teacher in Durham. And, um, and while I was there, there were a lot of challenges we faced. It's an amazing community of teachers and students. But I did notice that um, I worked with the Latino students at the school, and I noticed the school was highly segregated. And being a person, a uh, uh, a black woman raised in a black community, 
I saw so many similarities between Black students at the school, the Latino students, but because of a lot of issues around gangs, around tracking, things like that, the students are very segregated. So there wasn't a lot of interaction in the communities. And I really went into a doctoral education with just questions, with just a curiosity to understand more about school climate, about um, the things that happen outside of the official curriculum in school and how potentially improving those things could help students to learn better. These two science grads found their passion for teaching and together at Northeastern University are helping to transform educator preparation. Now we'll get back to our interview with Kelly to hear why Northeastern and the history of experiential education. Northeastern has a long history of uh, a focus on experiential education. Where, where did that come from and what, what does that mean today? Sure. So Northeastern University has a very long history. We, we started in the 1800s. We were actually started out of the YMCA, believe it or not. And we developed a law school, an engineering school. Um, and we uh, have always been very connected with industry. And um, one of our first experiential programs was the co-op. And I think that if people think about Northeastern University, they think about the co-op program. But since that time, we've really expanded our experiential offerings beyond co-op to uh, the XN network um, and, and other uh, opportunities, for example, what we're doing in the Graduate School of Education, which is, I think, kind of new and novel uh, a direction that the university is taking, uh, extending experiential learning into networks and really uh, connecting people around um, their passion for experiential learning so that they can learn and share from each other. Um, and so I feel like uh, Northeastern University is really taking a leadership role in being able to facilitate those kinds of conversations and to facilitate that kind of learning. How would you describe the framework for experiential learning? What, what are the design principles that are important to you and your colleagues? Sure. I think it's a, you know, it's about, uh, there's many uh, uh, theoretical uh, foundational understandings for what experiential learning is. And I don't think that we've necessarily come up with one set definition. I think that we keep an open ear and invite others into the conversation so that we can co-construct the meaning of what we mean by experiential. It definitely has to be meaningful and relevant uh, to uh, the person involved. It has to um, involve some kind of active engagement. It has to have some kind of authentic product. And importantly, you know, our role is is really as facilitators in, in uh designing experiences and facilitating experiences and facilitating moments of reflection uh, and uh, providing resources to individuals so that they can um, take those and, and try something else again. So it's a very much an iterative cycle of, you know, trying, reflecting, doing, learning, sharing. Um, that, that, that sort of thing. We are um, finishing up a book on place-based education and just the importance of thinking about the city as classroom, really incorporating work-based learning, um, outdoor education, and, and uh, the kind of opportunities that you had, travel-based education. It sounds like those ideas are well aligned with the, the philosophy at Northeastern. Absolutely. Um, Place-based learning, service learning, project-based learning, you know, inquiry-based learning, those all fall under the umbrella of what, you know, we consider experiential learning. Uh, or even if you're not able to go to those things, just incorporating more active learning techniques into the classroom. Um, so, you know, a lot of what I've been doing uh, 
focuses mostly on project-based learning and um, in particular, you know, helping, uh, I've been, been designing some professional development uh, and working with a local high school um, in Boston called Cathedral High School. So we've been working in partnership with them kind of doing place-based learning because I'm coming to them in their classrooms, finding out what they want and need support with, and then, you know, providing the the professional development with them in their classroom and, and, and really facilitating. So instead of just coming in and doing a once a month workshop sort of thing, it's, it's much more uh, place-based and uh, personalized for individual needs within the entire school, not just a one-size-fits-all kind of thing. Why is project-based learning important? Well, project-based learning, I mean, first of all, it's been documented to be a very successful pedagogy for uh, academic achievement, increasing student motivation, and importantly, it's been documented that it helps all all learners become more engaged and uh, take more control of their learning. So it's it really levels the playing field and has a really an opportunity for, for closing achievement gaps. I think it definitely, uh, you know, shifts it to a student-centered approach uh, where children are, uh, or even adults. Uh, are involved in, in the construction of their own knowledge and, and they learn skills that go beyond just content knowledge and content skills. They, they learn how to manage projects, communicate, collaborate. Um, they learn that uh, what they're doing is authentic and they're going to have an audience to present to and that their product is going to be meaningful and relevant. And it's another way for them to kind of document their learning that goes beyond a SAT score or a letter grade in a chemistry class. They have a product now that they can share out with, with audiences, uh, including, you know, institutions of higher education as they approach schools and, and want to go to college. These th- are some things that they can really showcase what they've done and give them uh, real life skills. So when they transition either into a career or, you know, even after, after college, they're, they're able to demonstrate that they're able to work on real world problems in collaboration with others and um, apply content knowledge in contexts that are, are, are authentic and real. You mentioned the public product. Are there a couple other um, design principles or approaches to project-based learning that make it uh, really useful? Well, I think, you know, when you were talking about place-based learning and engaging with the community and learning happens everywhere in every context, I think some of the more attractive projects that I've seen are ones that really do engage the community. They go out into the community, they find a need, they they uh, talk to folks about what might be useful for them to be working on, and then in collaboration with community members, they come up with a project that's meaningful and relevant to a, a wider audience, not something that's just going to sit on a shelf, so to speak. Um, and so I think those kinds of opportunities to, to be involved in the community and to actually make a difference, I think empowers, I mean, first of all, it's, it's great learning. And then it also empowers people to be more active in their community and, and to be more involved. Uh, Kelly, you, you've been involved in developing a program called Next. Maybe you could tell us about that. Sure. So Next is a global network of experiential educators. Um, it started uh, about three years ago. Um, we really were looking, Northeastern University has a Boston campus. We have a Toronto campus, Seattle, Charlotte, uh, Silicon Valley. Uh, we do work in Hong Kong as well. So we're, we were really interested in ex- reaching out to educators uh, across our, our, our network and uh, finding out the ways in which they were engaged in experiential learning. And, and we hosted a conference and invited uh, educators from all across the system. So that includes 
you know, classroom teachers, administrators, district leaders, nonprofits, organizations, all, all folks who, who may have had an uh, interest in experiential learning to come to a convening over the summer. And the idea was that we would get together and that we would ideate and nucleate and brainstorm and create some plans for doing um, uh, experiential learning in their context. And then we empowered them with a curriculum that helped them document uh, the outcomes of that experiential learning project. Um, and then that was, uh, that was the first year. And then we went on a listening tour. So we followed up the summit by um, going across the country and sitting down and, and holding salon conversation, focus group conversations, trying to find out well, what, what do uh, educators who are, who are passionate about experiential learning, what do they feel they want and need? Um, and then we revised our, our kind of approach and we had another institute uh, last summer. In addition, uh, what we heard through these conversations was that uh, Folks wanted more opportunities for sharing and connecting uh, with each other, uh, best practices uh, and that sort of thing. And this year, it's really exciting to announce that we've uh, uh, opened up what, what we call Digital Commons, which is a virtual space um, so that members of the Next Network can connect and collaborate and share asynchronously. We're also able to host virtual pop-ups and webinars through this platform and to be able to really highlight uh, some of the work that uh, folks in our network are doing and sharing it with others. So folks who are interested in finding out more can go to the Next website. Uh, at Northeastern. Uh, you can sign up. We, we push out a newsletter um, once a month and you can find out more ways to, to either attend a virtual pop-up or a face-to-face -face event or even find out a little bit more about the curriculum that we're developing to help uh, uh, support the network through the Graduate School of Education. Uh, that's an exciting set of activities. Does that, um, is one of the potential outcomes a, a certificate? Absolutely. So we're designing a graduate certificate for experiential teaching and learning. It's currently going through the governance process right now. It's made up of four uh, four-hour graduate credits. Um, and the, the first course is about experiential uh, learning theory and practice. You know, really, you know, what is the theoretical underpinnings of experiential learning? Um, how do we create uh, experiences that are uh, useful for learning? Um, you know, what are some of the different approaches? How do we teach for deeper learning? That sort of thing. The next course really has to do with culturally responsive experiential learning. So how do we facilitate um, experiential learning in a culturally responsive way? The third strand is about research because we truly believe that, uh, you know, it's not just educators in higher institutions institutions of higher ed that do, do research. Practitioners do research too. And probably the most valuable information coming from uh, people's places of practice come from the practitioners themselves. So the third strand is really about empowering practitioners to do research and to be able to document their work. And lastly, uh, we're having a course on leadership. So how do you lead for experiential learning? Not only empowering teachers, but um, you know, how do you create meaningful professional development opportunities? How do you leverage networks um, to, to um, support experiential learning. So that's the graduate certificate. But what's kind of going to be unique and fun, and this is under development, is that we are, all these courses are being created in a modular fashion so that each of those four courses are broken down into 16, what I'm calling learning units. And these learning units are going to be made available through the Digital Commons platform. And so you can, you, you can engage in these learning units either through virtual pop-ups, face-to-face pop-ups, or like I said, if, if there's an opportunity for professional development, such as I'm doing at Cathedral High School. Um, 
Educators can earn professional development points, uh, continuing education credit. Uh, we're working on developing badges. And, and most importantly, these things are all stackable. So you you can go in and you can kind of survey the 16 learning units and see what may be most interesting to you and relevant to you and, and make your way through that, facilitated by a faculty member. And then you can stack them in, in original ways to, to earn graduate credit. So yeah, it's under development, but it's, it's uh, that's where we're headed. So could a... A school district or a school network uh, work with you on uh, and turn this into a series of micro credentials that could not only earn a a certificate from Northeastern, but also be recognized for uh, leadership opportunities inside the district or network? Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, I think that's where we're headed, and especially with a large network. Um, but, you know, through they have a, like an opportunity like that to where folks are, you know, uh, share a common uh, pedagogy and approach, uh, getting credentials that, that would be transferable within the network um, right. and also lead to graduate credit should they want to go on and get an MED or an EDD, for example. Yeah, that's really exciting. Um, it, I appreciate the the modularity of the design and that it stacks into um, a credential. And might that credential uh, stack into a, a master's degree? Absolutely. So the certificate that's that is going through governance right now stacks into the master MED in learning and instruction. So it replaces the elective requirements so that if you're interested in going on and doing that, you can. And the other exciting part about the modularity, and especially in conversation with the network and the digital commons, is that it's not just us, you know, figuring out what content we should be developing and, you know, modularizing and, and, and sharing with folks, but we're co-constructing it really with people in the field. So, you know, having these uh, opportunity to really get feedback and, and, and actually share examples uh, and products from these modules with others just allows us to co-construct this curriculum in ways that I think is going to be more meaningful and relevant uh, to practitioners. Well, the modular design, I suspect, uh, will prove helpful as technologies continue to evolve and new new strategies for incorporating new technologies in experiential education developments like augmented and virtual reality. I know Northeastern is also um, updating its uh, approach to the PhD program. Maybe you could talk about the the dissertation in practice. Sure. So. There's two things. As part of their strategic plan, they are uh, starting uh, an experiential PhD programs, you know, through their College of Science. Uh, Within the Graduate School of Education, we offer EDDs, so Doctor of Education. And so traditionally, you know, since our conception about nine or 10 years ago, we followed a five-chapter model, which is very much looks like a PhD model. So, you know, introduction, literature review, that sort of thing. Um, And we've allowed folks to do different kinds of uh, approaches. But what we've done over the last year is, you know, we're a member of the Carnegie Association for the Professional Doctorate. And there has been a movement in professional doctorate uh, training towards action research. And really, um, it's more experiential than some of the other uh, methodologies that we've been using. Uh, It also is change-oriented and action-oriented. So now, instead of... um, 
students completing two years of coursework and then beginning their doctoral research, they actually begin their doctoral research in their very first class through action research cycles. So one of the things that uh, our students need to do is to identify a problem of practice in their local and particular context that they'd love to address through change agency. And so it's not enough to just read about it or do a literature review. It's really important that you go into the field and engage with folks through, you know, um, research techniques like interviews and focus groups and surveys to kind of get a baseline understanding of the context uh, in which the change work is happening and and who the who the community who the partners are and stakeholders involved so they begin that in their very first uh, course uh, and then uh, through uh, the other curriculum that comes in they're going through at least two action research cycles uh, and so by the end they're actually taking an action that's informed from their previous research and then they're evaluating the impact of that change in their context. So we're not just preparing educators now to do research. We're having them do research, you know, with us in a facilitated way, which is a, it's a completely different approach. So um, it's really exciting. You know, we're just in our first year of the new curriculum. So um, it'll be exciting to see what kinds of uh, changes uh, occur uh, uh, through this uh, approach to teaching. So many problems of practice are multidimensional. Is it, is it possible that Several people will be able to work uh, simultaneously on a problem, but take a, a different uh, angle, a different uh, lens as they look at the problem. Absolutely. Actually, that was one of our original designs for this program is we had teams of educators coming from a particular context at different levels and having them work on a, a similar problem practice from different angles. That's kind of where we started. I feel like with the digital commons, you know, people are going to be probably doing their individual research, but because of the power of the commons to connect our graduate school of education, which is quite large, we have thousands of, of people in our graduate, in our EDD program. So when, when those folks come to Digital Commons, start sharing their research, um, they have the network to tap into. So they will be uh, getting different theoretical perspectives. They'll be getting different, you know, what one, what works in one context may not work in another context. They're able to connect face-to-face at our pop-ups and our residencies and and certainly to, to you know, communicate with each other asynchronously and share resources through this. So I think one of the most powerful things about our graduate school of education is its sheer size and, is, and our nimbleness and being able to um, really create change from a ground-up uh, perspective uh, just just through the power of our numbers. I think most of our listeners will appreciate how important these developments are, but uh, for, for some not familiar with education degree programs, I think for decades we've pushed uh, the best and brightest educators into dark corners and asked them to investigate the obscure. And the fact that your, your program is so, um, problem-oriented, action research-focused and collaborative in nature is uh, really exciting. It it suggests uh, that most research that your candidates will undertake is going to be a lot more meaningful to them and the field. 
Absolutely. And we're also, you know, talking about ways we disseminate these findings. So we will have a, a we'll have a document that looks like a dissertation that'll go into ProQuest, certainly. But we're really working on uh, creating a lots of little deliverables along the way so that practitioners can share their findings with school board members, community members. They can write an op-ed. They can uh, disseminate their findings maybe through a podcast like this. So it's, it's really about um, creating change that's rooted in literature theory and empirical data that can make a live difference in the lives of folks in the here and now. You know, one of the things that I appreciated when I moved away from basic science research to applied research was the power of that. While I was developing theory about how Parkinson's disease may, you know, may work and, 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 and maybe a drug design was 10 years down the road, what I love about the research that I do now is that it, the immediacy of it. I know that I'm going to be able to create a difference now and that someone else can build upon my work much more quickly than you could in a traditional PhD program where the data that you're collecting is designed to build theory and then you, you have to test that theory in practice versus, uh, you know, doing, collecting the data, you know, with practitioners and creating change now. So it's, it's really exciting stuff. It, it really is. Um, one thing I would hope for is that you could actually help build a new connection between basic research and the uh, ed tech community. We now have billions of dollars going into education technology, but unlike biotech, where you're from, um, very little of the the so-called innovation in our space is linked to basic research. It's usually some coder's sister is a teacher and she complained about something, so somebody built an app for it. And very, very little of it really comes from well-conducted uh, basic research. But this community of, of practice that you're developing um, – really could serve as the the basis for important innovations. Absolutely. Absolutely. And the speed in which we can, because even in our pop-ups, we have this, you know, it's very much a, you know, ideate, create, transform. It's really the whole process that we really are, is coming from an entrepreneurial stance so that these innovations can be put into practice quickly and evaluated and modified and, and that uh, educational reform doesn't take years and years and years, but happens on a daily basis. Sharice Childers McKee began her career teaching in K-12 classrooms. She then had the opportunity to move to Northeastern to work with doctoral students in an online and experimental environment. Over a year ago, you uh, moved to Northeastern University. What was attractive about Northeastern? Yes, that's right. Um, I had I've always been a teacher, uh, a face to face teacher. So you know, in a in a traditional classroom, and so I think that. Uh, the idea that Northeastern was so successful, that it was an online program, that it was global, was really interesting for me. I admit that when I came into the situation, I wasn't quite sure how it would work as a teacher, as an educator, something that was always been important for me are relationships and really cultivating relationships with students. And I didn't know initially how I would do that in an online environment, but I was attracted to the challenge to being able to kind of figure that out. Um, I was also really attracted to the possibility of being able to work with doctoral students. I worked with K-12 students. I worked with undergraduate students, but I had, hadn't had the opportunity to work with um, students that were pursuing the highest degree. So that was also um, very and a very exciting challenge for me. And 
Northeastern, I really enjoy the experience, just the diversity of, of Northeastern, the diversity of professionals, of experiences of the professionals has, um, has really challenged and pushed me as a professional. And I've enjoyed it. So Northeastern uh, for decades has had a, a reputation as, as a, a school that focuses on experiential education. Uh, uh, but y- y- your teaching is primarily online. I wonder how those two concepts um, if and how they fit together, the idea of online learning, but with an experiential focus. Yes, that's right. So I, th- I think a common criticism that people have about the academic world in general, Northeastern has, has worked really hard to address. So a lot of people would say, you know, I, I did my thesis or dissertation and now it's sitting on the shelf and I haven't picked it up. And now I'm dealing with the real world issues of, of my job. Or students would say, you know, I learned these abstract concepts in class and, you know, I'm not sure exactly how they're relevant to what I'm doing right now. And what I think is the beauty of the program that we have now in the Graduate School of Education is that it is experiential, that students come into the program with the problem of practice, their own problem of practice from their own local um, and specific context, whether that's in a business field in a K-12 school, in a community setting, higher education. And the courses are, it's a blend of being a scholar and a practitioner. And so they learn all of the tradition, the philosophy of, of doctoral education of research, but we continue to go back to how does this relate to your own specific problem of practice? How might you research these issues in your local community? And so students are guided through how to think critically and how to, how to think about research for those specific and local issues in their in their particular context, whether that's in North Carolina, in Seattle, in Hong Kong, so we have students from from all over the world, and and an online setting is is very interesting how it works, and it's really interesting how we're we're still able to build relationships with students, we're able to personalize their experience in a lot of ways, um, and they still are able to study the things that they're interested in and the things that they care about, and so I think that. That's the real experiential component of, of the degree that the students are able to get. How is this new um, dissertation and practice uh, different um, than the program used to be? What's the, what are the new design principles and how is it different than uh, the old program? So in the, the old program, which we call the stage model now, um, students would take their the traditional um, kind of doctoral studies courses, qualitative research courses, um, how to design a research project courses. And then at the end of coursework, they're assigned to an advisor and they begin to apply those principles from two years of coursework into their own doctoral thesis. So the difference in the model now is that um, from, from the first course, students also learn those same things, philosophy of research, history of research, what it means to pursue a doctoral education, but they immediately from the first year of coursework begin to apply those things to their own, um, their ultimate dissertation and practice. And so instead of that dissertation starting after two years of coursework, it starts from the very first course. In the very first course, you are, they're already encouraged to think about, okay, let's think about your problem of practice. How would, how would you create an action research project to address this problem of practice? And then they go into the next course. And they're able to do another cycle of this particular project. And so they're guided through 
learning the content in an experiential way with their own ultimate dissertation project. And it follows them through two years of coursework. And then they still have that independent phase um, at the end of the coursework. Another difference is that in the stage model, students didn't get an advisor until the end of coursework. They had a kind of an academic advisor, but not a, uh, a thesis advisor until the end of coursework. Whereas now in the new model, students receive a, an, a, a thesis advisor, dissertation advisor in their second quarter. And so that's another. So they have that support much earlier because they're in the field actually working on their dissertation project much earlier. One criticism that I've heard of uh, education doctoral programs, I guess doctoral programs in general, is that, as you said, you finish the courseware and then you get an advisor and the advisor um, forces you into a dark corner and you study some obscure topic uh, for a few years and write about it. And then, as you said, the the book goes on the shelf. So th- this sounds far more applied. And um, it sounds like uh, people have the opportunity to work on um, important and relevant problems. Is that fair? Absolutely. Important and relevant problems. And I think a very um, diverse set of problems. Because in many, I think the criticism, in addition to what you said, is that much of uh, higher education folks see is very siloed, that, you know, you have your specialization, it's very narrow, that's what you study for the lifetime of your career. And I think that what we see in the real world, and particularly the modern world that we're facing now, is that problems are much more complex and, and nuanced, that, you know, that most real world problems require a variety of perspectives, a variety of disciplines to come together for a solution. And so I think our model speaks better to kind of uh, uh, a more contemporary way of addressing real world issues than maybe the previous models. Um, We have students in lots of different issues. It's an education program, but we have three tracks. So we have the curriculum, teaching, learning, leadership track. Those students are interested in issues of pedagogy, of learning, And that can be in in K-12 schools and community settings or in businesses. And we have the organizational leadership track. And so those are folks that are particularly interested in the business sector and educational topics related to the business sector. And then we have students who are in um, higher ed administration in that track. So I think that's another beauty of the program is that um, you're able to network with other students. You're in the same coursework, same program, but a variety of different topics from community college related topics to um, higher ed uh, administrator topics to professional development in the K-12 schools. Like we, we see that diverse of, um, of a population of students studying these various topics. Could, uh, uh, you, you mentioned these complex problems. I, I've always wondered about the potential of a team-based uh, PhD where a diverse team with different disciplinary backgrounds could take on a similar problem. Is there any coordination on on big complex problems or just uh, collaboration with people doing similar work? So that's really exciting. I would would love to see that down the line for us to move um, into that space. I do think that this is a step in that direction that students are still their own doctoral work and they're ultimately the, the researcher that's responsible for it. 
But with an action research model that we have right now, um, one of the the primary tenets of action research is that it's collaborative. And so it's difficult to do action research without uh, without collaborating with stakeholders. And so those stakeholders are the people who are affected by the issue that you're studying, those people who are invested in that issue. And so it's a very different approach from kind of the objective researcher on high with the microscope and a study in the environment. In the action research model, the researcher is perhaps a part of the community. They're invested in it. They're working with this group of stakeholders to study an issue and actually to make change in that particular environment. And so I think by nature, it is much more collaborative. Um, I would say the downside is that, you know, it, it's still this this model exists within a doctoral education, within a doctoral degree. And so that's why I say ultimately the student is still responsible for the research and it still goes toward fulfilling the requirements for their doctoral degree. Um, but I definitely think it's a step in in the direction of what you mentioned of um, something that would be ultimately a doctoral degree that will be purely collaborative among students. Are you making um, efforts to encourage your doctoral students to communicate uh, their work earlier than and in different ways than just a dissertation? Absolutely. Um, with this dissertation in practice, uh, the traditional dissertation was a five chapter model. So there was, you know, the introduction, the lit review, methodology chapter, results and conclusion. This one, um, in addition to a different course experience, it's also a different final product. One of the final products is the scholar dissemination component. And so students have to decide how they'll disseminate their work as a requirement for the dissertation and practice. That dissemination could be a uh, publishable journal article in a practitioner journal. It could be a uh, presentation for uh, a community board. It could be some type of multimedia presentation that, that lives online for a wider audience. But that is something that students are prepared to do throughout coursework and are expected to do at the end. Um, so there are three final products. The one is the one I mentioned, that the, the dissemination piece. Then there's the traditional action research report. It looks very similar to the five-chapter dissertation, but a perhaps shorter version where they talk about the actual research findings. And then we've also incorporated a lot around researcher reflection and critical reflection. So that's the third component of their final product where they really have to reflect on um, my role as the researcher this last two, three years, what it meant for me to research this topic, what I've learned, um, et cetera. So that's the third piece of the, the product. You came to Northeastern with an interest in race relations and social justice. Have you been able to, to maintain a, a focus on that and, and encourage other people to take up those issues? I have. That's been the beauty of um, being in a space as diverse, I think, as a graduate school of education. And our dissertation in practice has, I should have mentioned this, it has a social justice component. And so as a required course that students take, um, they learn about social justice. We talk about our students as change agents. And I think it's interesting because um, we think of change agents in a variety of ways that some students come in and they think, well, you know, to be a change agent, I have to march down Main Street with the picket sign. And the kind of the way that we teach them about change agency is much broader than that. And I think that we work on helping them see themselves as change agents, whether that's in the the business sector, in schools or in the community. 
And we talk about change agency as, you know, improving equity in whatever space that you're in, um, improving equitable outcomes for all of your, your stakeholders and participants. And so that is a thread that runs through all of our coursework um, and all of all of our programs. So I have enjoyed that piece that I've been able to um, to to work with something that I'm passionate about passionate about throughout our program. Dr. Sharice Childers McKee, it's been a pleasure to have you on the Getting Smart podcast. Thank you so much. We appreciate the work that Kelly and Sharice are doing with experiential education in the Doctor of Education program at Northeastern. They are truly transforming the way doctoral students become scholars and practitioners and are helping them learn how to think critically and become change agents in their community. For more on reinventing educator preparation, see episode 188 with Jim Tracy of the Woodrow Wilson Academy at MIT. And if you enjoyed this episode, please be sure to hit subscribe so you don't miss out on any future episodes. We've included all of the information for Northeastern in the show notes, so if you're interested in learning more about joining the doctoral program or Northeastern University's other opportunities for learning, please be sure to head over to the blog on gettingsmart.com. And a big thanks to Northeastern for sponsoring today's podcast. That's it for today, listeners. Thank you for tuning in. For the Getting Smart Podcast, this is Jessica signing off.